You have to be used to rejection. You have to get out your own way. You work so hard in your nine to five job, but you don't work as hard on yourself. So when people say no and that they don't want to sell a property right now, call back in a month, you get so discouraged so fast, people quit. But you yep. got to remember your end goal and your why, because that's what's going to keep you going. So, you know, 100 calls can be one deal, but the one deal could be $10,000, 30000 that's, that's almost almost sad. Simple, but not easy. But I tell people all the time, it's worth it in the long run. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. Uh, we're joined today by Anthony Lawson. Uh, Anthony uh, has served in the military. So we, we say first off and, and foremost, thank you for your service. Uh, Anthony is uh, a, a, one of these serial entrepreneurs who has fallen into uh, a love for real estate and has come up with some pretty interesting uh, ways to source um, housing. A group home mastery is the, the platform uh, that he calls it. He's got a great ebook uh, called Flipping Bill Flip Buildings Like Pancakes, which I thought was awesome and catchy. Uh, so Anthony, uh, we think you're going to provide a lot of value to the show today. Thank you for joining us and uh, welcome aboard. How are we doing? Thank you, James. I definitely appreciate the awesome introduction. I appreciate that. And then uh, looking forward to providing your, your listeners with some good value. Sounds good to me, man. Um, so let's talk, uh, give, give the audience a little bit of context. So where are you based out of now? Yes. Yeah, so, so before I dive deep into the whole group home um, industry, I'm primarily based in New Jersey. Um, primarily based in New Jersey, and I invest in New Jersey, um, Ohio, specifically Cleveland, and uh, Detroit, Michigan. So um, those three states, I own properties in all three states. And uh, before I go into further detail with that, um, so just so your listeners all know, my name is Anthony Lawson, born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. Um, I served in the military. I did about five and a half years in the Army National Guard. And uh, while I was in the military, um, this is something I always like to tell people with society. Um, society, in a way, was kind of telling me to do law enforcement, right? It's not something I really wanted to do. Uh, but I did it anyway. Um, and the guard is, is part time, and you usually do about a weekend um, in a month, every month, and then about two to three weeks in the in the summertime, which is called annual training. So um, I had a lot of my buddies that were police officers, state troopers, and things of that nature. So um, I tried, you know, tried it out. Um, I moved to Virginia about uh, 2016, around that time. And then that's when I became um, correctional officer. Um, I left that to do sheriff officer, uh, still working inside the, uh, the uh, jail system. And I was still in the military. But the whole time, I always wanted to do real estate. Um, uh, luckily, I had my first foot in the door with real estate from a relative of mine, which is my uncle. Um, he kind of told me what to do, but he wasn't one of the uncles that said, you know, let me hold your hand to success and show you the ropes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he kind of told me what to do. And, and from there, I just took his advice and then uh, grabbed a couple different mentors for some space that I wanted to uh, specifically do. And um, I gravitated towards it. I bought my first property at the age of uh, 23 years old. Um, right now, next month is actually my birthday. I turned 28. So um, I started investing at the age of 23. I bought my first property, which happened to be something similar to as a roaming and boarding um, property. 
So um, I was I was actually introduced to it through my first property. And uh, something that um, I utilized the first time home buyer program system. And um, I had a wholesale operation while I was still working. So all this stuff, I was still working. And um, I wound up leaving the job because it was taking a lot out of me. Um, I was still, a, a, I was actually, I moved back up to New Jersey and I became a de detention officer for, um, for customs. And uh, I did that, um, wasn't really happy with it. So I lost a lot of buyer and seller leads. So um, I started wholesaling from there. And then I, I closed that first deal in like a year. Man, it changed my life. My whole perspective of real estate changed. Um, I mean, for me, it's, at least it's like when you know something is possible, but you actually see the check in your hand, it's, it's a different feeling. So um, that first check really changed my life, man. And um, from there, uh, I know it's not a lot of money, but 20000 I made and I, I quit my job, man. I said, you know what? If I can do this with only a you know, few hours out of my day, imagine what I can do when I put all that same energy in my, into myself. So that's what I've done, man. And from there, I still have a wholesale um, operation. Um, we wholesale commercial buildings. That's why I put out the ebook. Um, flip properties, um, flip buildings like pancakes.com. Um, we flip buildings, residential properties, um, do a lot of assignments on different things. I don't wholesale churches, you know, anything that has a buyer can be flipped. So, um, I'm a big advocate for that. And, um, from there, um, just to backtrack on the story, uh, bought the first property using uh, the first time home buyer program and I took the basement. And it was such a big property to me Had you know, at the time I was still single, um, it had six bedrooms, two baths. So I was like, man, you know, usually people tell you buy, you know, multifamily and go down, which I understood that concept too. But for me, rooms felt more appealing. And there was two reasons. It was not only just the income, but I truly was helping people. And prior to me buying the property, um, I was at a stoplight and I was talking to a gentleman and he actually was in the military as well. He was a homeless veteran. So I was talking to him and to this day, I always say God told me to do it because I usually, you know, unfortunately throughout the whole country, people run into people that's asking for money or that may need some help, additional resources. And um, I gave him some money and I, I actually pulled over and I started talking to him for about a good five, 10 minutes. And uh, he told me about his whole background, serving two tours. And I was like, man, you know, if, if people had the understanding of the resources of where to go, and some of them actually have income, which is usually VA or disability or social security income, what if I can make that business model? So I was like, you know what? I'm, I may be on to something. So my first property, um, I took the basement and I rented out six of the rooms and everybody had SSI income. So, and I was like, you know what, this is, this is not bad, man. <laughs> so I, I, and from there, I saved up my money. And within the first year I had two properties and I, I just repeated the same system. So by the age of uh, 25, I had about 30 something tenants. Um, and I started leasing some properties with options to buy and just doing the same system, rinse and repeating. And then that's when I stumbled upon, what if I have two people in the room? You know, how does that work? So that's when I stumbled upon, you know, if everyone and the mentor that I have now always tells me, you know, sometimes in real estate, it's easier to gravitate towards something that someone else is not doing because it's less competition. He likes to call it a blue ocean opportunity. 
so yeah. that's what I stumbled across uh, group homes, and, and that's all my whole life story in uh, in a nutshell. <laughs> well, I appreciate the background and the context. Uh, very helpful for the audience and, and for me. I've got a bazillion questions. I'm like feverishly writing this down as you're giving me the history. So. Um, yep. If we could start with just some of the basics for, for the, the benefit of the audience. We hear this term wholesaling all the time, right? What is yes. wholesaling? Yes. So wholesaling is essentially you find a property. I won't even, a lot of people like to say distressed seller, but all the time they don't have to be distressed. But you usually find a property at a discount and you put that property under contract with one seller and you assign your rights in the contract, which allows you to do that because you have equitable interest. So you assign the contract over to an end user, which is usually a, an investor for a fee. So in exchange, you know, in a, a you know, clear and cut example would be, you know, a house is worth 200,000. You put it on the contract for 100,000, maybe it needs 10,000 more for work. And you want to make twenty thousand, and you assign the contract over to the end buyer for one thirty. So that difference of the spread comes to you as the wholesaler. Okay, so that's wholesaling in a nutshell. So um, when you're trying to source these deals, right? Do you have any tips for the audience? Where do you find properties that are good candidates for wholesaling? Yes. Yes. So. Nowadays, it's so much easier than when I started about five years ago. Now, I would recommend PropStream, and that's www.propstream.com for residential. And I'm going to tell people what I know now, I wish I would have done years ago. I would even go to as far as you can start out wholesaling commercial buildings because there's less competition. So and then that website that I personally use for my data is www.reonomy.com for commercial properties. And from there, you pull a list of uh, targeted, well, you create the list, but it's, it's targeted um, properties you like to focus on. And you put in the system, whether that's, you know, maybe coal violations, uh, tax delinquency, uh, maybe it's a vacant list, inherited. You pull that list and, and um, scrape it together. And then once you get the list, you do what's called skip tracing. And if the, the viewers don't know what skip tracing is, that is essentially you upload the list into a data service and they provide you with the phone number. So from there, you just start cold calling to see if the owners want to sell. And then from there, you will put it under contract. You know, if the um, home, homeowner says yes, and then you assign the contract to an end user. Do you, do you have any names of the companies you use for the skip tracing? Yes, yes. So I personally use batch skip tracing. And that's B-A-T-C-H, skip, tracing.com. They're pretty good. Um, if you want to go with an alternative source, um, maybe funds are not all the way there. If you want to go to free route, you can do www.fastpeoplesearch.com. Only thing about them, they only do one-offs, meaning you can't upload a whole list. You only can do one at a time. Got so, it. um yeah, yeah, but then one last one I'll recommend is www.skipgenie.com. Uh, They're very good as well. Okay, so you're going to PropStream or you're going to Reonomy, and what are you entering at, on those sites? Like pri property criteria or like what is the data that you're entering to get the list? What is it that you're looking for? 
Yes. So I tell people you follow the trends within real estate and what's happening in the local economy. So what I mean by that is right now it's a pandemic. So a lot of landlords, uh, unfortunately, are hurting because some tenants lost their job. They can't pay. So the list that I like to pull is tired landlord list. So which is, is in the actual system of prop stream is not going to say tired landlord, but it's going to say absentee owner. So you pull a list of absentee owner, which is landlords. And you you cold call them and you see if they want to sell. Usually nine times out of 10, that's the best list to get right now because a lot of people are not paying rent. And some of the, uh, the, the um, homeowners that we're calling, which is small time mom and pop landlords, they only have a few properties, maybe two or three, and they can't sustain the mortgage when that's when you can come and help them out. All right. So you're, you're going in, you're pulling lists and uh, you're taking your cues from what's happening in the market and what you think is going to be happening in the market. Uh, I think a yes. great example now um, with COVID situation where landlords aren't able to collect the rent. So you're looking for absentee landlords, meaning that the landlord's not living in the asset, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a true investment uh, proposition, if you will. Then you take that list um, and I guess you identify geographic location, right? And it gives you the, the sites in that geographic location. You go over to skip trace or, or uh, I'm sorry, you go and you skip trace it through batch skip tracing or fastpeoplesearch.com. And then they're actually pulling up the telephone numbers and then you call them up and, and I'm sure you've got your own kind of secret sauce and script and <laughs> you just start to wrap with the people and build rapport, right? And, and try yeah. and see if they're interested in selling. Yes, that is that is absolutely correct. I tell people it's a very simple business model, but it's not easy. You have to be used to rejection. Um, you have to get out your own way, um, your own way, meaning, you know, I tell people, man, you know, you work so hard in your nine to five job, but you don't work as hard on yourself. So when people say no and that they don't want to sell a property right now, call back in a month, you get so discouraged so fast, people quit. But you yep. got to remember your end goal and your why, because that's what's going to keep you going. So, you know, 100 calls can be, you know, one deal, but the one deal could be $10,000, dollars $30,000. That's, that's almost someone's salary. So, you know, you just have to keep that thing in mind and, and just keep, you know, keep going, man, because it's, it's, it's definitely simple, but not easy. But I tell people all the time, it's worth it in the long run. So when you're making these calls, are, are you jumping right into it? Are you trying to rapport build first? What what is a what does a typical call go like for you? Yeah, so a typical call for me nowadays is a little bit different. I don't cold call uh, nowadays. I have a team that cold calls, uh, which consists of VAs. And the VAs, they can go to uh, Fiverr.com to pull a VA. Um, I recommend uh, people in the Philippines because they're very inexpensive and they speak the most um, fluent English. So it sounds um, sounds very natural with the phone. But um, yeah, when I used to cold call, um, I just, nothing fancy. Hey, you know, my name is Anthony Lawson. Um, you know, I've seen your property, you know, 123 Main Street, you know, are you interested in selling? Then from there, you build a rapport, depending on what they tell you. Um, they can say, uh, yes, I'm interested in selling. How do you get my phone number? But then I usually make them laugh by saying, you know what? I use a service called LexisNexis. They give me random phone numbers. Sometimes I get a little lucky, which means, you know, I got lucky today because we're on the phone right now. Then I start laughing. And usually they just kind of give you a warm feeling and you start talking. But um, you can you can remix it up. Um, and just be a natural self, you know, because scripts, sometimes you sound robotic. 
Yep. No, no doubt. Okay. So you, you make the call, you uh, establish some rapport. Uh, we're using VAs, by the way, uh, great advice, really, yeah. really helping us scale. It's been an amazing experience. Um, so you're building the rapport. You already have the address, right? So you know more about the property than they probably think you know. Um, are you at that point, like putting a value on it or how are you, what, what happens next, right? How do you start getting into numbers and, and determining what the value is, you know, versus market value and so on? Yes, that's, that's a very good question. So what you want to do is get familiar with a term called ARV, which is mean after repair value. You want to, you want to know how to pull data as far as finding uh, comparable properties are in the area, similar to the same property you're focusing on. So if it's say three bedroom, one bath with a thousand square feet, single family home, you wanna pull data similar to the around the same thing to see how much the property could potentially be worth. Um, so then from there, you would do the formula. I use, they usually call it the wholesale formula, but now, you know, the market is so hot, the formula changes over time. But the simple formula is ARV, times you know 0.70%, i.e. you can go as high as 80% now because the market is so hot. Um, minus repairs, minus your wholesale fee. And that's usually how you become and get your um, allowable maximum offer. So from there, you would know what to offer the seller. And then you would know how much profit you're gonna make and how much you can sell a contract for to your end so um, I would imagine that, you know, you've got a team making these calls. They're calling a lot of people, right? So That's uh, I suspect that you can't put a value on every property before you make the calls. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. So what I tell people is the easier way is reverse engineering. Um, so wholesalers say pull a list, just, just call and just make offers. Me, what I like to do, I like to, if it's prop stream, I like to look at the data first as far as zip code, the hottest zip codes, see, you know, if it's a single family, two, three or four unit, see what they're selling for first. Then when you actually make the calls to the seller in the same zip code, then you can kind of narrow it down by square footage, of course, but then you can get a rough um, estimation of how much it would be worth in the long run. Got it. Got it. Okay. So uh, you're doing some homework there, even if it's cursory homework, you're doing it first. So if you, yeah. when you do get someone on the phone, you're, you're ready to go, right? You want to capitalize on that opportunity. You don't want to let it go. That's correct. Yes, sir. And when the VAs are getting someone on the hook, how far are they taking it before they transfer it to you? Yeah. So they go as far as appointment setting. So okay. after they set the appointment, I usually have um, which I call my lead manager go out there or sometimes I may go out there because I do own a general contracting company. So I make money multiple ways. That's something totally different. But, um, you know, I usually have a, a lead, my lead, a guy go out there, take a look at it, take pictures, send it back to me. And then after that, we determine how much the repairs are going to be. So let's say if I don't own a general contracting company, because usually people that first starting out, they don't you know, know anything about construction or anything like that. So the way you can do it from there, from how I used to do it, I used to shadow general contractors to see what they would look for. But if people don't have enough time nowadays, I tell people download the Home Depot app because that's what I did personally. So when I go into a property, if it's, you know, if it needs a brand new kitchen, I would literally look up how much kitchens cost. Then I will cold call um, general contractors to see how much the labor costs. So then I just add them up. 
and I give a rough number. So now I know how much the repair is going to be. Wow. Okay. So um, your your team is is teeing them up. Your your guys are going out and getting you uh, estimates and in, in repair value. You're you're speaking to the individual. You have your number. Okay, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You know I'm prepared to offer you a hundred thousand. Uh, what kind of terms are you, are you getting? You know, are you are you selling them on like a quick close, a long close? What is what does that look like? Usually, I, I feed into the report building first because sometimes, believe it or not, man, you know, some people say, you know, uh, yeah, we can close in two three weeks. They, that may not work for the seller. We came across sellers where they want to move out of state, so they need more time. Mm -hmm. So I go, I go and build rapport with the seller first to see what works for them. Because certain sellers, you know, um, if they do live in the house, they may not be the right fit for you. Vice versa, if you're telling them to we close, because now they feel like you're going to kick them out after you close. So I build rapport with the seller first and go for their needs. That's kind of how I do it, and that's how I train my guys to do it. Smart. Okay, so. You're, you're, like you said, you're reverse engineering, you're backing into parameters that work for the seller. So that's less obstacles, right? You're not trying to make them fit your, your program. You're trying to fit their program. Now you're never closing on these properties, correct? Correct. That's absolutely correct. Yes, sir. So are you putting some sort of right to assign language in the contract? Yes. So in our contracts, we have, um, we usually do two ways. Um, now everybody know a wholesaler is, but we always upfront that you need either A, and we really do partner up with buyers. So the way we position ourselves with buyers is we tell them, hey, without the deal, doesn't matter how much money you have, without the deal, there is nothing to be made. And without the money, you can't close on the deal. So usually even with proof of funds, that's another thing people may run into. We use our buyer's proof of funds to lock up the deal and we don't shop it to a whole list. I build rapport with the buyers and I have my, I train my guys to do the same thing because it's different from email blasting and phone blasting. Personally, me, we don't do that. We, we know who to call to, to sell a contract to. So now they're letting us use the proof of funds. So now in return, when the deal is locked up, it goes strictly to them. I don't sell it to anybody else because that's fair. You know, now in the contract, if it says, um, you know, um, Anthony, let's just you know, call it for simple numbers, Anthony Lawson and or signs or do uh, Anthony Lawson and or entity to be closed prior to, you know, something, something around that language. And then uh, we literally just assign the contract over to our buyer. Okay. So you guys are, you, you, because you've been doing this and you've, you're experienced, you've got uh, a network of buyers and you know already when you're talking to the seller you know who's buying this thing so you're not worried about having the place ads and run this down you know that you've got buyers that if they're buying at x amount discount to market they're in they're going to move they trust your process and flow so you're really the intermediary just connecting these dots getting the contracts assigning them and now you get paid at assignment you get paid at closing how does that work Yes, so that is so. So the first part is yes, we just connect in the dots, and then that's how we get paid. And then the second part is yes, at closing, uh, we would get paid what's called uh, an assignment fee. Now, usually, people that wholesale they tell you, you know, to make over a certain amount, which it can be true. Uh, some people may not like that, which is unfortunate. Um, some people may count <laughs> how much money you're going to make, uh, even though that shouldn't matter. 
But um, I don't like to double close. I don't like to do LLC buyouts or anything like that. I like to do a simple assignment. Why? It's no need for me to hide how much I'm going to make. We all worked hard on the deal. And then prior to me giving you an assignment of contract as the buyer, you already agreed on the number. So now I know it works for you. So, you know, there's no reason for me to hide or anything like that. So I just keep it plain and simple and assign the contract. So I, I want to pause there for a second because uh, I, I don't know if the audience can appreciate how valuable the advice is you just gave. So folks, when you're trying to build anything at scale and you're out and you're, Anthony's got a big infrastructure, he's got VAs working, he's got his guys working, he's got the construction crew working, Anybody that is more interested in what you're making instead of what they're going to make, I can tell you right now, is not going to be a long-term situation. It's not going to be a long-term venture um, because when they're looking inside your pocket, inevitably things go sideways at one point or another. Does that sound fair, Ant? Yes, that is, that is totally true. That's not a trusted buyer you want to work with in the future. Without a doubt. So you've got this wholesale operation, you're identifying, yeah, yeah. your team's doing all the other work, you're doing the work to get in and close, you've got your buyers set up, that's your wholesale operation. It sounds like it's outstanding, so congratulations on the success. Um, Thank I, you. I'd like to talk, if we could, a little bit about where you've transitioned um, yes. and the, the group home mastery. Can you give the audience a bit of an introduction on what that's about? And then maybe we can pull that apart as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and if you want to start off, thanks, James. I, I greatly appreciate that. And then, um, yeah, so group home mastery. So let me let me tell her back. So if the, if the folks may not know, a group home is pretty much supportive living, um, supportive living, shared living, accommodations, mainly in the bathrooms, uh, kitchens, and it's usually two individuals in a room and it's usually catered to what's called like youth population, um, seniors with disabilities, um, somewhere uh, around there. And it's, and it's similar, almost, well, almost similar to assisted living. Um, they they kind of go interchangeable hand to hand. And the reason why I started doing group homes is because number one, my, my philosophy is always people then profits. And I see what's over and I see what's going on in the world the economy with the COVID it's a recession-proof business. That's number one. Number two, I have way more profit than the average investor on a two to four unit or anything like that. And, the, and lastly, you only need one to really change your life. Um, give you a prime example and the view is a prime example. Um, myself and my partner just closed on one, a 16-bed unit facility in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, purchase price, 325, and we make 18,000 a month. Uh, gross, of course. So the net is around 9,500. Um, that's after paying staff, you know, things of that nature. So it's a recession-proof business model. If you run it correctly, you don't have to worry about anything because you have your staff members or employees taking care of the business for you. And um, you, you truly helping people, man. You know, if you look at the articles on what's going on out there in the world, there's so many people getting evicted. So many people can't afford the apartments. So now you're coming in as the guy or woman in the middle that, to bridge the gap. So if you have transitional housing, and it can go interchangeably if you, depending on who you're focusing on. So if you have a home or commercial building, it can go from parolees, it can go from seniors, it can go from, if you love children, um, helping the youth that aged out of foster care. So it, it just depends on the demographic that you serve. And of course, um, if you 
uh, like me <laughs> and you love serving the veterans as well, you can have veteran house. And that's something that I, I'm huge, big advocate on, uh, especially working with the VA in Cleveland now. So um, they're sending me business as well. So group homes are a world need industry that people don't really know about. Okay. So when you talk about um, two people per room, is it a individual and a caretaker or is it two separate individuals plus the caretakers? Yeah. So, so the, the cool thing is it, it depends on the, the level of class of need that's in the home. Um, some homes don't need caretakers, um, that, like 24-hour services or anything like that. That's the home that we just closed on. It does not need that. Um, and two individuals to a room. So two different individuals. Um, yes, they don't know each other. But the reason why it works is because people need supportive housing. If you look at the articles that's out there, um, co-living is coming. You know, it's actually a thing. So it's, it's different names people call it, co-living, group homes, transitional housing. So it's two individuals to a room. And the cool thing, James, check this out, is you can get paid from the government. So you can get paid from the government, the state, or local, local nonprofits that pay you directly. And it's happened to pay you a year's rent. So imagine if you have 16 individuals and they pay you a, a year's rent for 16 people. It's a game changer. Wow. So uh, these are not, uh, or are they? When, when you're looking to buy these assets, right? Are they uh, large homes? Are you buying commercial structures? Are you buying old, you know, uh, failed motels? I mean, what, what's the typology? Yes, yeah, so that's a good question. Now, the beautiful thing about this also too, and because I, I just love the industry a lot, because we can get very flexible, similar to like a hotel. So they can be converted from older motels so which is still classified as commercial. It can be a two-story commercial building. Um, usually anything above that, you need some sort of elevator or anything like that. So it can be commercial building. It can be a very big single family home that was converted, which people you usually think of when they think of single families and um, some type of caregiving, they usually think of assisted living. So it's similar towards that. So it can be any kind of asset class. That's the beauty thing about it. And then, um, yeah, man, you know, you can, you can kind of get flexible from the business side and from the real estate side. So um, if I may ask, uh, and thank yeah. you, by the way, for being as, as transparent as you've been, there's tremendous value here. And I really, yeah. really appreciate the, the, the candor and the honesty. Where are yeah. you sourcing this type of, of product? Where are you finding these types of, of listings or, or buildings to buy? Now, the, the, now, this is the thing about group homes. When you buy a group home, and the two things that can happen, right? It can be licensed or unlicensed. They both are not bad. Usually you get the license when there's a very big number of people. You know, if you want to have 20, 25, 16, 15 people, usually you have to you're going to run into some type of licensing that they want to have. But the unlicensed homes are usually the smaller ones, maybe eight, seven people. But either way, this is another good thing that we didn't touch on, James, man you have what's called a Fair Housing Act that actually protects you as the group home owner and the ADA, which is American Disability Act. So if the, if the government, I mean, not the government, I'm sorry, if the government slash municipality give you any pushback, um, they're actually in breach of the federal law, which um, I'm going to give your, your listeners a name, which called the Oxford House. Um, they fought many cities on this. Um, right now, they have over 50 homes uh, of shared living. 
and they won they won every case only because uh it's covered under the federal law so um so yeah man you know you can do various different things with group homes okay so you're you're finding these uh these buildings and depending on size is licensed or unlicensed what does the extra expense look like you know if you're a a, a, a multifamily investor uh, you know, we all have our own formulas of what utilities and taxes and municipal charges are going to be. Um, is that a similar scale or when you get into the license stuff in particular, is there a much higher, you know, bar as far as expenses? That's correct. Because sometimes depending on how you structure your facility, you, you may take and buy food, you may serve the food, mm. you have staff, you have payroll. So similar to like a hotel. But your numbers, as far as um, what you receive per income per individual, is so high, it can allow for that. Um, I seen because that was just in Ohio, we get eleven hundred per individual. Uh, for New Jersey, you can get anywhere of um, fourteen hundred to two thousand per individual. So it's is totally different across every state. But yes, your income um, does allow for it, but your expenses is actually a little bit higher than like multifamily six, seven, eight units and, and things of that nature. So, um, yeah. So who's running these things for you? Yep. So usually you have uh, what's called an in-house manager. That's another good thing. You have an in-house manager is usually the one, depending on uh, how you structure your home, if it's two beds or if it's single room occupancy. So single room occupancy is usually your halfway homes, rooming houses, boarding homes. Um, you can have in-house managers take a look and let you know everything that's going on in the property. And the only, and, and the cool thing is you just discount their bed, meaning their rent that, they, that you're going to receive. So if you're charging anybody else a, a thousand that comes in from the government, you tell this person, listen, uh, this, this is your daily duties. Um, uh, I charge you $500, but just let me know everything that happens inside, inside the facility. And then that's it. And then you got cameras around the um, exterior. And then the interior, of course, not by the laboratories or anything like that, but um, in the hallways, uh, the kitchen area, if you have a kitchen, um, it's a tool to protect you, you know, stuff like that. So you don't really need any like property management companies like your traditional multifamily. If you have like a 50 unit apartment building, um, it's usually just an individual and your employees that let you know what's going on. So I, I like to reference Cleveland because we just closed on that one. Um, we have two um, employees there and we're bringing on one more additional person that's going to be like a supervisory role because we're looking at another per, uh, property to buy. So we want that person to bounce around into each to do supervisory uh, tasks. So, you know, depending on your population, of course, because everything boils back to who you're serving. You know, if it's kids, they may need a little bit more hands-on. But if you're seniors that doesn't have that much disability, you know, or they don't have any disability, they may not need 24-7 care. So it just depends on the population that you're serving. So housing insecurity is a very real problem that's plaguing the country and in particular, a lot of the major cities, right? So I would suspect that from, uh, as you were saying earlier about re being recession-proof, unfortunately, there are a lot of people in need uh, so I would think that the back end of the pipeline, filling these units, once you learn the programs and you understand how it works in the particular municipality, you're comfortable with that pipeline. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. Yes, that's, that's, that's very fair. The, the ironic thing that you just mentioned is it's too many people, but not enough homes. 
So they need people like you to come in and make this thing work. I was looking at an article because I'm, I'm, you know, based in mainly New Jersey. I was looking at an article that said today, um, today I was looking at the article, but the article was dated back in uh, August, that New Jersey uh, homeless shelters are now going to get bombarded with people because so much people, you know, after they get evicted, you know, things of that nature, they don't know what to do. So who they're going to turn to? If someone, if you come and approach these uh, local nonprofits and, and uh, homeless shelters, they're going to refer all those clients over to you. So now you have all these influx of people and you're never going to run out of clients. So, um, I mean, it, it's congratulations on the success, man. This is, uh, it's brilliant and it's, it's, uh, it's coming from a place of love. And I really yeah. appreciate the, the work that you're doing here. So your challenge now is what? Trying to find more assets? Is that, is that where your focus is? Yes, yes. We, don't, we have too many people, but not enough properties. So um, me and my partners, we're always looking to buy the next uh, group home. Um, now we're trying to buy larger ones. We even um, trying to buy um, certain nursing homes that was maybe vacant and turn them to group homes that can hold up to 100 people because it's, it's, it's a well-needed thing um, throughout the country. And I think if everybody just pitch in, if they really love this idea, um, we, we teach about this stuff. Uh, if they really love this idea, it, it can really help your community. So how, how do we learn more, right? How does the audience uh, learn more from you guys? You offer some sort of courses and, and whatnot? Yeah, so we have a training, uh, which is gonna be in the form of a course, but we made it very affordable for people. Um, it's gonna be www.grouphomemastery.com. It's gonna take you to a sign up page and we're dropping everything um, next month. The reason why I don't like to rush, um, I was never really, uh, a course creator, but it's something that I felt like I was doing a disservice to people because something like a group home need to be taught to people. It's not something that you hear on the average day, like, okay, I buy group homes. Nobody really talks about that. So it's, it's an asset class where someone can build wealth, you can help people, and you can pass it down to your family. And the cool thing is too, everyone's parents gets older, would you want your parent in the nursing home or, or in your home that you own? So, you know, it's nothing better than that. It's a win-win for everybody. And then in, in, in this training course, I don't want anyone to be uh, left one step behind. So we have uh, people that teach how to open up nonprofits. We have attorneys that's going to be in there um, that knows about this stuff, teaching nonprofits throughout the country. Um, it's going to be one-on-one -on -one support. And um, I'm going to be there teaching uh, Zoom calls uh, two, two times a month, um, usually beginning and end of the month. So this training took me a, a few months to, to uh, actually formulate and put together because I didn't want it to be rushed for people. So um, it's www.grouphomemastery.com. We can go and sign up for it now. If that part's up yes. and ready to go. Yes, so, folks. That's correct. Look, um, we're, we're always looking for um, what the next pivot's going to be or where the next challenge uh, is going to be, which creates opportunity, right? This is something that... Uh, people don't realize the courts have not adjudicated most of these COVID situations, right? The courts have been yeah. closed. And when in cases where they're not closed, they are so backed up. It's crazy, right? So as this plays out, unfortunately, we're going to find more and more people that are in need of housing. And as you go into bad markets, um, challenging markets from a, an economic standpoint, this is where you are going to want to be. I'm extraordinarily bullish 
on this market. I think that there's a huge opportunity to help people, number one, and to build a, a, a profitable, sustainable business along the way. So Anthony, is there any other way for folks to get, get a hold of you or is the website the best way? Yeah, so you have the website and you can also get a hold of me if you have social media on uh, Facebook at Anthony Lawson, just my first name, my last name. And then on Instagram, you can follow me there at Anthony underscore the investor. So once again, that's Instagram at Anthony underscore the investor. And on Facebook, that's going to be Anthony Lawson for my first and my last name. Well, Anthony, I could tell you, we have a lot of things going on here, but uh, yeah. I'm super bullish on this. I'm going to personally sign up for it, folks. I urge you to, to absolutely um, sign up for the course, go out and educate yourself, if nothing else in this market, because I think it is a uh, massive opportunity around the corner in this. Anthony, thank you so much for your time today. This was a great chat. Uh, again, thank you for your service. Congratulations on all thank of the success. Uh, really excited for what you're doing. And uh, again, congrats, man. This is good stuff. Thank you, thank you James and uh, Rebecca. I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, just, just so glad I can provide the value to your listeners. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, a ton of value here. Uh, appreciate the time, Anthony. As, as always out there, folks, please stay safe.